You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And we have got a good show this week because we're finally getting to one of my favorite games that I'm going to review tonight. But that comes later. And how are you doing, Derek? I'm doing good. Uh, just got back from another weekend of being out of town, hanging out with some friends, um, celebrating a friend's birthday, eating a lot of unhealthy food. So it, it's it's been a good relaxing weekend. How about you? It's been all right. I had to help a family member move, so, you know, <laughs> that's always a fun time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. But uh, we'll go ahead and let everybody know that we are going to be taking next week off because Derek is going to... Disney World! Yes! <laughs> I uh, cannot Disney. wait. I haven't been to Disney in almost seven years. Yeah, that's about how so, long it's been since I had gone. It was 2007, and we just got back two weeks ago. It's going to be so much fun. I'll be posting plenty of pictures on Instagram and Facebook. Please so we'll, tell I'll, me. I'll be gone for about a week. Please tell me you're going to Hollywood Studios. Oh, of course. I've already got my Star Wars stuff picked out that I'm going to wear. <laughs> yes. that that we. If you looked at my Twitter feed or Instagram it it was full of Hollywood studio stuff. Like I took a couple of pictures at magic kingdom, but dude, when we went to Hollywood studios, I was in nerd heaven. Well, it's not just because of the star Wars stuff, but Hollywood studios is just, it's my favorite park out of the four because you've got all the classic movie stuff, mm -hmm. uh, the great movie ride, Aerosmith roller coaster, Love the toy story ride. mania rides, a lot of fun. It's just got all the things that I like. Yeah, we did Tower of Terror three times that day. But um, but you said the great movie ride. Man, I love that ride so much. Like, I could live in there. It's the perfect, like, get out of the heat and just cool down for a few minutes ride. But it's it's so much fun to do because it's one of those classic rides. Like, you, you know how iconic it is. Yes. I as soon as you step on it. I want to go back now. I want to go back again, like today, like right now. I just want to go back to Disney. I'm just saying we should all plan a nerd cave <laughs> PCP Disney trip. I think that has to be in the future because how fun would that be? Oh my God. <laughs> Especially if we could go to universal, because guess what? They're going to have a Nintendo land at, at universal. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. We we were talking about that the other day, like rides that you have to have at uh, at the Nintendo thing. You've got to have Mario Kart bumper cars. Oh yeah, no, I, no brainer. Do you have? Uh, we have this thing um, here in Pensacola. It's called Escape to Palafox. Palafox is like the the really long road that runs through our downtown. It's basically you have to escape from like this house or this room or whatever. Yeah. And I was, I was thinking a Zelda themed thing like that could be really cool because in every Zelda dungeon, you pretty much have to solve puzzles to get from room to room. Oh, that would be awesome. When I do something like that and you've got, um, there's just so much stuff that you could do. 
it could be uh if you could do like virtual reality stuff and you could do like a metroid type of thing or you could do some sort of motion ride like um like spider-man dude that would be perfect for metroid oh absolutely ah oh, so many ideas we need to be engineers there... let's go back to school and be engineers we'll go to work for disney and universal oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely but um, but let's go ahead and get caught, get kicked off, get cocked off. I almost said get cocked off. <laughs> we can do that and, too. <laughs> let's get kicked off with this week's news. An unreleased Atari Jaguar prototype. Thea Realm Fighters has been discovered, and this is courtesy of RetroCollect.com. The Atari Jaguar very nearly played host to a port of Mortal Com- of Midway's Mortal Kombat 3, and rumors suggest that it was actually finished before being canceled. Unfortunately, the hole left in the system's library by the disappearance of John Tobias and Ed Boom's highly acclaimed 2D brawler was only partly plugged by copycats like Ultra Vortec and Kasumi Ninja. Um, I'll say I've never heard of... <laughs> I was just about the, to say that. I've never heard of this, and I've never heard of the Atari Jaguar until today. Jaguar. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, basically, Thea Realm Fighters, um, if you go to the article and look at it, and they also have uh, some gameplay of it, too, it's just like a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter type game. Yeah, and there were there were a lot like of those street. in the in the '90s. Yeah, it kind of has more of a Street Fighter look to me than um, I don't know. Like the the actual character select screen looks more like Mortal Kombat, but the actual um, the screen from the actual play of the game looks more like Street Fighter to me. Yes, it does. Uh, continuing with the article, see another title that planned to take advantage of the popularity of Mortal Kombat style fighters was Thea Realm Fighters from prolific Atari Jaguar developer High Voltage Software. Featuring familiar digitized graphics and even employing the skills of various Mortal Kombat character actors, Thea Realm Fighters promised over 20 different playable combatants, a lengthy arcade mode, and some of the finest background parallax effects ever seen in a home console game. Uh, the background to this uh, this screen cap here is pretty detailed. Yeah. For uh, a game made back then. Yeah, I would like to give this a try just to see how it plays because it does look pretty interesting. Yes, it does. Um, this this is something like I definitely would have played it if, yeah. if I had an Atari Jaguar if this had even been released because. You know, those games like Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, those were the best games to play with friends back then. Oh, yeah. But you had asked the question, what is the Atari Jaguar? Hmm. Yeah, so reading this article, I'm like, I have no idea what the Atari Jaguar is. So I looked it up, and this is from Wikipedia. The Atari Jaguar is a home video game console that was developed by Atari. The console was the sixth and last programmable console to be developed under the Atari brand, originally released in North America in November of 1993. Controversially, Atari marketed the Jaguar as being the first 64-bit video game console, while competing with the existing 16-bit consoles Sega Genesis and SNES. Uh, Development started in the early 90s. Let's see... 
release of the Jaguar was pushed forward, originally released to test markets in New York City and San Francisco in November of 93, and to the general public in 1994. I yeah, I'd do, never heard of this thing. Yeah, I remember the Atari Jaguar, and it was... You gotta remember, at the time that this came out, I mean, Nintendo was still the biggest thing in the world as far as video game goes. I mean, it was a juggernaut at that time. Sega was right behind it um, because the Genesis was right up there with the Super Nintendo. Atari faded out in 1983 um, with the video game, the great video game crash of 1983. So Atari was pretty much dead and gone for 12 years at this point or 10 years at this point. So I remember when this came out, it was looked at as kind of like the uh, the poor man's console, even though the price tag on this thing was 250 bucks. I don't remember wow. anybody wanting this thing. Like it was just looked at as the lesser console at the time. Nobody wanted this thing. Um, it wasn't marketed very well. I remember seeing uh, ads for it and Electronic Gaming Monthly and, and different publications at the time. And was just, I had no interest in this thing whatsoever. I remember seeing um, a display of it in um, Toys R Us at the time. And I just had zero interest in this thing. And it came and went and so fast. I mean, it, it just disappeared from the shelves almost as fast as it appeared. Yeah, like I said, when I think of Atari, I think of, you know, the the early, early days of console gaming. And I had no idea they had even tried to compete with Nintendo and Sega in the mid nineties. Yeah, so that was basically a suicide mission. And if any, if you, if your name wasn't Nintendo or Sega and you tried to launch a system between like 1986 and 1998, you were just that it was a, a suicide mission basically. Pretty much. I'm curious to look at, you know, games that were out for this thing. Like if there was anything of note. Hmm. I don't that's, think that's so. Very interesting. I mean, it didn't have like a mascot. Um, and like I said, Atari was a recognizable name because Atari was so big when I was younger, like a little bitty kid. But like I said, Atari had gone bankrupt in 1983. So by the time this came, this thing came around a decade later, you know, nobody wanted this thing. It was Atari was a name of uh, like, this was the, the Kmart console almost. I'm looking at a picture of the controller now. Yeah, it's awful. And the crazy thing is the caption says, this is the redesigned controller dubbed the pro controller, which was released in response to criticism of the original controller. I'd hate to see the original one. If the uh, redesign one looks this bad, it's is that got the one I'm looking at on the actual Wikipedia page for the Atari Jaguar. Now it's kind of, um, it's really, it looks like a canned ham with like a, <laughs> like a, um, a telephone, um, number pad on it underneath, uh, where the D pad is. And there are three red buttons like the A, B, and C button at the very top. And then underneath is like a, a keypad, almost like a phone. Is wonder if you could call collect at? with it. <laughs> Not a, I doubt it. <laughs> Is that the one you're looking at? Because that's the only picture I have on here. 
Yeah, that um, is the one I'm looking at. Yeah, I just no, it, it looks down. terrible. Yeah. Oh, that is awful. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the redesigned controller now. It's got three more. Uh, how how do they call this a redesign when all they did was add three more buttons to it? Exactly. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, oh, this thing just looks terrible. Like it's just a yeah. horrible design. It doesn't. Yeah. Look, it doesn't have like a pleasing look to it. No, and it, it seems like there was really nothing that that came out of it as far as you know, like good games or anything. Yeah, I mean, it, if I ever came across one of these at a flea market or something, and it was complete, I'd probably give them twenty bucks for it just to try it out and see what it was all about. But even to this day, as being a, a retro gamer that I call myself, I still have zero interest in in even looking at this thing. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to try it just for the sake of doing it, but uh, it, I'd have to get it for pretty cheap to do that. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and look at this month in video game history. In 1986, Nint uh, December 19th, Nintendo releases Kid Icarus. This was one of those games that I always wanted to play and wanted to buy, but I never did. And I'll be totally honest, I've never played Kid Icarus to this day. I haven't either. The only thing of note that I have to say about Kid Icarus is that, you know, I've played as the the main character Pit in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah. Well, this was a huge game when I was a kid. It was one of the the must-have titles for the Nintendo. Every before I had my Nintendo when it was still all the the black and gray box Nintendo games, this was the one of the games that all my friends had. I never played it, but I always wanted it, but I never got it. Yeah, I've seen gameplay from it, and it looks like it'd be interesting to try. It's still, it's still hailed as one of the hardest Nintendo games, too. I would love to get my hands on a copy of one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and December 17th, 1987, Capcom releases the first Mega Man game in the long-standing series for the NES Famicom. Mega Man was the game that made me shy away from Mega Man 2, which is highly regrettable because I didn't give Mega Man 2 a chance when I was a kid because I didn't like Mega Man 1. But to this day now, um, if you've been listening to this show from the very beginning, it was one of the first games I reviewed for the show and one of the few Nintendo games that I actually beat as an adult. It was actually the first game you reviewed. Yeah. Uh, I love Mega Man 2. It's as close to a perfect video game as you can get. And you know they make Mega Man pop figures now? I would love to have one. I haven't seen any. I know they made them, but I want to get one. I've seen uh, Mega Man, Proto Man, Dr. Wily, and the, the dog, whose name I can never remember. I don't remember the dog. I don't remember that. Those either. were the only four. I saw when I went to Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, they actually had a Mega Man one, and I haven't seen that one in stores anywhere around here. I've seen the other three, but the actual Mega Man one has been pretty hard to find. Yeah, if I ever come across the original Mega Man video game cart uh, somewhere at a, a yard sale or a flea market, I'm going to pick it up uh, just to give it another chance because it may have aged better. You know, if I go back and give it another chance, it might strike me as a little bit better than I thought it was at the time. 
because I just remember it being just ridiculously hard and I didn't like it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I haven't played the original Mega Man in a long time. I remember getting it for the Wii U virtual console and I played through it for like 10 or 15 minutes, but then I stopped playing and haven't played it since. But it's it's a fun game, though. Like, I, I definitely give the series credit in its standings, you know, in video game history for sure. Yeah, definitely. Mega Man 2 still stands as one of the greatest NES games, as well as one of the greatest video games ever made. Absolutely. In 1994, on December 9th, Namco releases its first 3D fighting game, Tekken, to arcades. Have you ever played any of the Tekken games? Oh, I was addicted to Tekken in the arcades at that time. The only one I've played, I believe it was Tekken 4 when it came out for like the, I think it was the PlayStation 2. It might have been around that time. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the Tekken series. I remember at the time we had an arcade in our local mall called Aladdin's Castle, and they used to do Tekken tournaments every weekend, and I was always too scared to enter. I could see that. But, it seems like one of the more mature... Yeah. Um, like fighting games like it's up there with Mortal Kombat as far as brutality well it's definitely one of those games where we live in a, a highly um uh our local population is is very mixed uh, a lot of Asians in our community and they definitely had the stranglehold on the Tekken games. I remember at the time, <laughs> like you would go and try to play Tekken. And of course, you know, you do the whole put your quarters up and like, I got next. And you go up there and there would be like this one Asian kid that would just be whipping everybody's ass. Like there's no tomorrow. And I was always scared to enter the competitions because I, you know, I was always one just getting my ass kicked all the time until I finally got it on. Did they release it on the first PlayStation or was it PlayStation two that they re released the original Tekken? I think it was on the original PlayStation, wasn't it? That's what I want to say too. Cause I, I remember playing it a lot on uh, the home console, whichever one it was. And I felt like I was pretty good then. Cause I could actually defeat my friends. Oh, that's always the best feeling. That I that make that makes me think of Halo, because when we first started playing Halo, I would always get my ass kicked because yeah. <laughs> all my other friends had Xbox Live, mm -hmm. and they would just play online from like six o'clock at night till one o'clock in the morning. So I finally got Xbox Live, and I didn't play with them for like two or three weeks because I said I'm going to get better at this game. And then we all played, you know, against each other, and I ended up winning and. They were like, oh, how'd you get so much better? I was like, well, I finally got Xbox Live, so I can <laughs> oh, I understand remember, that feeling. Yeah, I remember when Xbox Live got um, was put into effect for, uh, I think it was Halo 2 when they finally put it into effect, and it was that was life-changing. Uh, we could do a whole episode on Halo. I've yeah. got quite a few <laughs> horror stories. Actually, I would love to. Halo. I would love to do that. We, I have a lot of good memories of uh, land parties back in the early aughts. Yeah, we should do that for one episode. Just do like a, a Halo discussion. Yeah, let's do that. We could get Wally on for that discussion too, because he was always big into we when we did the land parties back then. Yeah, I've got a few good stories, and I've got some some really bad stories. I'll just say that 
there was one night where friendships were almost broken. <laughs> oh, that was every time we played. <laughs> <laughs> and our last bit of news in this month in video game history, on December 10th of 1994, Nintendo releases Wario's Woods, the last official game to be released on the NES in North America before Nintendo would officially discontinue production of the console. I had no idea this was the last game for it. I didn't either. I th- I actually thought um uh Star Tropics 2 was the final game released by Nintendo for the SNES, but I guess I was I was wrong. Honestly, I've yeah. never heard of more of Wario's Woods. This is news to me. It's a uh, it's a Tetris type game. Just uh, more like Mario or Wario in this case, Wario themed. Oh, um, speaking of um, Dr. Mario or a Tetris type of game, uh, one of our listeners, Brian C., put out a uh, a challenge the other night on Facebook because I, I guess he must have gotten a, a classic uh, NES, and he put out a, a challenge for anybody to defeat, um, get past level 10 on, uh, I guess he said medium or hard, and I immediately wrote back, challenge accepted, sir. I haven't been able to play yet, but I will this week. Well, hopefully you can you can conquer the challenge. Oh, I'm still, I love me some Dr. Mario. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that game, man, but it is, it is video game crack, my friend. Oh, I trust me. I know of games like that where you you sit down you're like oh i'll play for you know 20 30 minutes next thing you know three hours have gone by it's four in the morning (laughs) i'm not done yet oh yeah that that unfortunately happens to me a lot when i play dr mario like it if you do like three it feels like you've played for like 15 minutes and it's been like two hours and you're like what the hell just happened did i enter a time warp yeah, <laughs> but uh, well, let's go ahead and move on to this week's uh, review. We are going. I'm going to be talking about the game Crystalis, and listen to this music. Check this out. I love the music to this game so much. That's really catchy. Yeah, it is. The, like Everything about this game is awesome. The soundtrack is probably one of the best soundtracks that was made for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And the game I'm talking about is Crystalis. Um, it's, uh, it says, originally released in Japan as God Slayer, Haruka Tenku no Sadanta. Um... It was produced by SNK for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, though Crystalis never became a runaway hit, it is now considered a cult classic. Um, the game begins with a man's awakening from a cryogenic sleep 100 years after the global nuclear war. Even though he is unable to recall his name or who he was, he begins to discover that he may be the key to save this world from destruction. Aided by four wise sages and a mysterious woman, he rises up against a tyrannical Dragonia empire to ensure that humanity ultimately has a future. This was one of those games that I I still remember the day I bought this game. Um, I got it at the Kmart 
<laughs> in the town that I lived in. And uh, I didn't pay that much for it at the time. It was around the time that this game was released because it was released, I think, uh, April 13th, 1990. Uh, I probably got it that summer um, and paid. It, it was already kind of uh, discounted at that point because it was not exactly a hit. Um, but this game immediately, as soon as you turn this game on, there, there you realize there's something special about this game. The graphics on this game are what really hooked me into this game. This game has some of the best graphics that were ever produced for the Nintendo. And for as big a game as this is, it's amazing that you you look at this game and you see the the level of detail and the colors in this game um, and the music, the soundtrack to this game is so perfect. This game actually feels like... Um, this is the spiritual successor to the first Zelda game. Like this feels like what it, this feels like it should have been legend of Zelda part two, because a lot of people now are saying that Zelda two is a lot better than we give it credit for. I still don't like that game at all. There's, it just, it doesn't feel like a Zelda game. This game feels like, a natural progression for the Zelda franchise. I mean, this is the Zelda East game, uh, non Zelda game that was ever made for Nintendo. Like they could have just slapped the, the Zelda name on this and changed the character to link. And this could have been a Zelda game. Have you ever seen any video or seen anybody play this game before Derek? I actually watched some gameplay of it right before uh, we started the show. And I had the same feel. It feels like, well, the graphics to me remind me of Zelda 2, but the gameplay feels more like what Zelda 2 should have been. Yeah, it like doesn't... It, it, it feels like Zelda. Yeah, it doesn't switch between the top-down view when you're in the overworld to a 2D side-scroller, like a, a Link to the... Or what's it called? Uh, Adventures of Link. Um, yes. This one just stays in that top-down view that kind of three-quarter top-down view the whole time. Um, and let me, let me tell a little bit more. The, the primary means of defeating monsters is through the use of four swords scattered throughout the game. The fifth sword, Crystallis, is only obtained at the very end. The swords are capable, capable of both normal slashes and powered-up attacks that launch energy projectiles. And that's another thing that makes me feel a lot like this is very Zelda-ish, because if you remember... You, if you were full health, you could sh the the sword would actually shoot in the original Zelda game. Well, th in this game, the short the the swords just shoot um, if you hold down the uh, the A button and hold it and let it power up, and then it would just whichever sword uh, was a different element like air, um, fire, water, and each one would have a projectile that would shoot out and. This was also a game, too, where it had an inventory system where you could upgrade your, your, your uh, weapons and or your armor. Like you have a shield and uh, different, um, you know, you could get different like uh, armaments and stuff like that. Like you could go from leather to uh, like chain mail, things like that. And you can actually see the stuff on your character, which is cool. Like if you get a, a bigger, um, bigger shield and stuff like that. Um, it is a little clunky navigating. Um, I mean, the, the controls for this game are really good. Um, 
it says on here that it was um let's see um the main criticism of the game was its repetitive gameplay uh, i'll kind of give them that uh, as many as enemies can be overcome by continuous rapid pr uh, pressing of one button some reviewers have also mentioned flawed collision detection that was another thing about this game that you kind you can get hit very easily in this game while not being able to hit the the enemy unless you were like directly in a certain path to be able to hit it so the the collision detection it leaves a little bit to be desired but once you get used to it it's not that big of a deal but this game the the, the controls are really smooth but the trying to manage your inventory plus being able to uh save the game by by using the uh the select and start buttons are a little bit clunky but you get used to it after a while so this game did have a save system yes it did um one oh, of the wow. few games that i remember that i owned that had a save system as a matter of fact my original game is still saved on it from when i was a kid wow uh, let's see. Let me uh, let's see. Was uh, the plot? Uh, Crystalis takes place in a post-apocalyptic world set in 2097, 100 years after a global thermonuclear war has reverted civilization to a primitive medieval existence populated with fierce mutated creatures. Science and advanced technology have been abandoned, though the old ways of magic have survived. The survivors of the terrible destruction built a floating tower to prevent any future cataclysms, as its occupants would have the power to govern the world due to the tower's weapons systems. A man known as Emperor, Emperor Dragon, however, has revived the forbidden ways of science and combined them with magic. With these skills, he controls the world's last remaining military power and seeks to conquer what's left of the planet by attempting to enter the tower. It's a pretty involved plot for this game, too. I feel like I've said this for multiple games that we've reviewed, but this sounds like it would make a decent movie. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still for uh, if you took it and actually expanded it out, um, it doesn't feel this busy while you're in the game. I mean, now that I read the actual plot for the game, it seems a lot more involved than it feels like when you're in the game. But I think you could actually could take this plot and turn it into a pretty decent science fiction movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds, you know, just like you're like a typical post-apocalyptic science fiction movie, but with an element of like a medieval type thing in it. Yeah. So I, I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, it's a very different type of game. Um, if you're not really into like RPGs or anything, this really probably isn't for you. But if you are into games like... Um, Especially if you're into A Link to the Past or any, like, the original Zelda and A Link to the Past, this is that perfect hybrid between those two. It's almost like A Link to the Past if it was on uh, the the NES. And it's some of the highest praise I can give to an original Nintendo game because this game was so original but yet owed a lot to the the Zelda series. It reminds me of a combination of a lot of the Super Nintendo games that I played growing up. Like, it reminds me of Zelda 2, which I know that's an NES game, but the layout kind of reminds me of that. It reminds me of uh, the Secret of Mana RPG that I reviewed a few weeks ago. Yeah. 
it, it seems like it has an elements of multiple things. This game probably could would have been a, a lot more well received if it was redone for the Super Nintendo or if they would have done maybe a sequel to it for the Super Nintendo because it it would it was already it, a great looking and sounding game. It would have been so natural just to you know, bump everything up a notch to put it on the the Super Nintendo. It, it would have been perfect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't make a, a sequel to this. Well, they did sort of. Um, they put it out on, where was it? Uh, nearly 10 years after the game's initial release, Nintendo, with licensing from SNK, re-released Crystalis for the Game Boy Color on June 26, 2000. This version, however, is a significantly different game exemplified by a different opening sequence. The nature of the tower's origin and its purpose were fundamentally altered, with the tower now being a weapon created by the game's antagonist, and the protagonist has been elevated to a hero of ancient prophecy destined to save the world. Interesting. I had no idea they even released it for Game Boy Color. Yeah, I didn't either. I had no idea that this was released later until I read this article. Interesting. You know, th this is this is a game that I'd definitely be interested in playing. Yeah, I've been playing it for a couple of hours over the last week or so. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to finish this game because I never finished it as a kid um, because it is kind of a long game. I mean, it is is straight up RPG. I mean, this is the... This is the um, original Nintendo equivalent of like Skyrim is how I would put it. It's very involved. There's a, a lot of things to do and explore. It's completely, uh, it's open world. Um, there's not, I mean, it is a linear storyline, but there's just so much to do in this game and so many things to, to find and, upgrade and uh let's see the reception is the original nes version of crystalis crystalis was praised for its advanced graphics and high quality soundtrack and also for its elaborate plot the main criticism of its game was its repetitive gameplay i've already read that uh in december 2005 nintendo power ranked the nes release of crystalis at number 115 in a list of the 200 best games ever to appear on the nintendo system the np top 200 nice that that's not too bad actually yeah that's that's a high praise considering there was what a thousand games or almost a thousand games put out for the nes yeah and yeah, yeah that's I mean, that's really good and like they said this really is a cult classic game it, it was not well received at the time i didn't know anybody else that played this game or even had it you didn't read very much about it at the time um but it was such a good game. I just never understood why it never took off. But if if it were up to me, I would do, um, you know, a PlayStation Four version of this game. Just completely. Let's just reboot it. Bring it back. It, it would be as good a game if they could do a Skyrim type of um, a video game with this. That that would just be awesome to me. I can guarantee you there would be that because every cult game has that that following. I guarantee you there would be people that would nerd out online if they announced that. Oh yeah, and and if you're listening to this and you've never heard of Crystalis, 
Um, there are a lot of reviews and playthroughs of this game on YouTube. Go check it out. And if if anything, just go listen to the soundtrack to this game. And that just listening to the soundtrack the other night, trying to capture that clip, made me want to go play. And like I said at the beginning of the review, the song you played, I was I was like, well, this actually sounds really catchy and yeah, really good. It's like a rocking soundtrack to it. It it's a really good game. Out of ten, I give this game I give this game a solid nine. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, if the hit detection would have been a little bit better on this game, and I think this game really suffered from not having enough buttons on the actual controller because it is kind of clump clunky trying to manage your inventory um and try to save the game. You you have to hit the select button and then the start button and then the select button again and use the D pad to like move around. It's just really clunky. I think if this game would have had a super Nintendo controller, it would have been on like donkey Kong. Oh, absolutely. Who knows there, they might remake it or do a sequel to it one day. That'd be fantastic. I would love it. I, I mean, with the, the new Nintendo system coming out next year, I don't see why they wouldn't try to take some of these old properties and just reimagine them for this generation. Why not? Exactly. I think it'd be really cool if, you know, they announced, cause I think Nintendo's doing a, a presentation in January where they're fully unveiling the switch, like all of its capabilities launch lineup and all that kind of stuff. I think it'd be really cool if not just with Chrysalis, but with other like lesser known franchises if they bring them back. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, I mean, bring back Star Tropics. Why not? Yeah. Try it. It might work now. I mean, it might be the kind of thing people will be into, especially now that retro gaming is such a huge thing. I mean, bring back some of these old, you know, some of these old properties and just see what happens. Worst case scenario, you just don't make a sequel to it. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, like I said, if you have an old Nintendo system and you're collecting for it, if you're into RPGs, if you're into the Zelda franchise, this has to be on your list of games you've got to pick up because I give this game some of my highest praise. And I know I say that a lot, but here's the thing. <laughs> for the first, we're only, what, like 19 episodes in at this point? And we've Something each like that, reviewed yeah. like eight games apiece. I've pretty much reviewed all of the best games up to this point i've got some real stinkers coming up soon oh yeah no i'm i'm the exact same way we, we started this show we you know we have a google docs where we pick out games that like i have a column snes games to review you have nes games to review we pick all of our favorites yeah and yeah we put <laughs> you know a couple in there that we didn't like for the sake of doing some games that we disliked but for the most part, it's going to be games that we enjoy. Yeah. But yeah, but that's that's a lot of these games are really good, uh, except for Fester's Quest that I did a few weeks ago. And yeah, there are some games out there that are kind of so-so. I mean, they're fun, but they're not they're not great, which I have a few of those coming up. But for the most part, this is up there with one of those great games for the Nintendo system that should have done better. And it's a cult classic for a reason. There are people out there that just love this game, and I'm one of those people. 
No, absolutely. No, and I, I actually am looking forward to the, the games that we review that we don't like. Yeah. Because that's oh. just going to be a lot of fun to do. Because I've got one coming up that, like, to me, it should be on every top 10 worst video game of all time <laughs> list. And I'll say it involves Pac-Man. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I think Fester's Quest should be on that list as well. And there's another game coming up that I'm going to be reviewing. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite movies but it's one of the worst video games ever ever made because it has the LJN warning label on it. And um, let's just say it's it's not an excellent video game. I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, does it involve two people? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> then yes. I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and finish this one out for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we leave? Uh, no, I don't believe so. But uh, like I said, we're going to be taking next week off because Derek is going to be in Disney. But we are going to return the week after. Uh, I think we are going to be doing hopefully a roundtable discussion uh, with another one of our uh, Nerd Cave alumni. Um, so we'll do that. And then for the Christmas episode is going to be our commentary on The Wizard. So I know everybody is getting geared up for that. I can't wait to do that. I am so hyped to do that. I can't <laughs> wait. I've been talking to everybody about it. I'm like, going to do a commentary for the wizard. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> Tune in to Nerd Cave Retro on December 26th. Yes. And you will find out exactly what the wizard is. It's our Christmas gift to you, the listener. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, let's go ahead and... Uh, Tell them what we got to do. Um, if you want to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if there's anything that you want us to review or anything that you want to talk about our previous reviews, please, uh, the best thing to do would get a hold of us on Facebook. Or, you know, on Twitter. Those are probably the best ones because I, I really don't check the email all that often. Oh, maybe once a week. So, yeah, those are the best places, too. But we'd love to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing. So, Derek, tell them what's up. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.